Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Out for Smokes podcast. I'm Mike Racine, once again joined by Sean McCarthy and Scott Chaplin. How are you guys? Uh, sublime. Yeah? Just 30 days of watching children get blown apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, a month yesterday, right? Yeah, we just passed the 30-day mark. Yeah. yeah. Are there any images that sort of stick out in your head or anyone, any that you feel like you won't forget? I just keep seeing, like... Different videos of different parents holding their dead kids yeah. and being like, oh, yeah, this is what my tax dollars are paying yeah, for. Yeah. This is what this is what I'm funding when I pay sales tax on my alcohol. I keep um, I keep saving videos, meaning to come back to them. Uh-huh. And then I because they're just it's like it's almost like too much. But I did see one video where a guy was filming another guy and the guy's digging through rubble. And the guy goes, what are you looking for? And the guy digging goes, my four children. He's like, I'm looking for my four children. I saw in the it rubble today, and, but I you saw. got you got to also remember fat, uh, overweight white women are upset. <laughs> Actually, they've been pretty. They've been real quiet. What the would you hide me stuff? All the, the yeah yeah yeah. yeah that shit sh- dropped since we talked about it last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they've dipped. Yeah, I also I uh, want to talk about just to start off. I went to a uh, protest last. I guess Finkelstein organized. Yeah, I te- I texted you guys about going to that, and I never heard. I didn't know you were going to be there. Oh, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't go. Yeah, yeah. I uh, well, I had a show, so I was like, I'll just pop over after the show because they mm-hmm. said we're going to end it at, at Schumer's house. But I saw them. I saw them marching up uh, Flatbush, and then I started marching with them, and um, I did get recognized a couple times. That was that was cool. By people there, yeah, they were like, they were like, "Oh, Mike Racine." Um, Did you um, walk up to Norman after? Uh, no, I didn't get because yeah. other people were like talking to him and everything. Sure, sure. It was but, like a um, big crowd, right? Or um, it was it was pretty big. It was probably about a hundred people. Yeah, that's yeah. I heard, a, but, you know, Mike can't get that into the uh, Chuckle <laughs> Hut, but Norman Finkelstein can get that at eleven p.m. In That's Brooklyn, not... on the walking over the bridge. Yes, everybody, please prove Sean wrong when you come to Teehees on December sixteenth in Des Moines, Iowa. I'll be there, and then I'll also be at the it's called uh, Teehees. Yeah, <laughs> they're like really trying to figure out different na- laugh noises. Yeah, like, well, people Teehee when they laugh. They go, yeah. yeah, let it be Teehee. <laughs> yeah. I think levity is a good name for a comic because levity is like yeah, it's like a fancy word for what laughter does. You sure, know? It sure, creates like levity. You go, wow, good job, levity. Sure, Everyone please come to like... spray my shorts with a little bit of diarrhea. <laughs> comic yeah, <club>. dude. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I, I did. There should be sadistic cackles. Yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah, should have I like, like a, a comedy club for serial killers. Yeah. They should make a comedy club called Drunk White Woman Comedy Club. Bachelorette Party. Bachelorette Party, yeah. The Bachelorette House. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, but it's, but I did get recognized. Some people were like, oh, is, is Sean here? Yeah. And I said, well, no, Sean is a fake activist. I didn't know um, you but, were going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it was like an afterthought because I was, you know, I had this show. Mm-hmm. But uh, how far are Schumer's from here? Um,. It's pre- it's a few stops away, I think. Oh, okay. But it wasn't like we didn't. Um, they said his house was a certain address on the flyer, but yeah. it wasn't. That wasn't where we ended up. 
So I don't know if we were outside his house or not. I hope that we were. But we were outside. We like definitely a big... said fuck you to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you woke yeah, yeah. somebody up. Baby killer. <laughs> just like some guy who works at City Group. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he just thought it was the voice inside his head. <laughs> Murdering. <laughs> Apartheid. Yeah. No more bombs. But it was cool. Norm, you know, Norm was there. They, they started it at like 13th and 9th or something. Or like, no, Avenue C and 9th Street. Yeah, he, did, he like did a so speaking like event at Avenue C, he, at like a bookstore at Avenue C. Yeah. yeah, I watched the live stream of that. Yeah, I saw oh, that you did. too, yeah. How was his speech? Uh, well, that was the Q&A, but it might as well be a speech. Yeah. Because yeah. he asks one question. You ask him one question, and then it's like 45 yeah, minutes. Goes, if right, you right, don't right. mind for a moment. <laughs> right. We have so, to go yeah. back to Reconstruction. <laughs> yeah. We have to go back to Nate Turner before we can start talking about 1948. Yeah. Well, that's why cause Scott asked him about bagels, and we were on that for like 10 minutes. <laughs> if you uh, if you remember. But anyway, so we got to uh, we got to Schumer's house, and then we were like, I think the we were like we're gonna sing, hmm. so we sent. So um, uh, you're really loud. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my, the Mike yells at his wife and child <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the part of activism that's a little bit cheesy, you know. Singing. Yeah, I don't really. You know, it's like it's and it's it's kind of going to protest. I think it's good. It's necessary. But it is like a little bit cringe. Well, you remember, like, (laughs) during Black Lives Matter, people would show up. They would start singing Les Mis songs because Les Mis does have great protest songs. It does. Yeah, like in the context of Les Mis, it's powerful yeah. and amazing. You know, can you hear the people singing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. When you're marching for you know current issues, you don't want to be a musical theater kid. You don't want to be a yeah. You want to yeah, you want right. to shake you know shake the neighborhood. You right. don't want to um, right. What you want to do is drag Chuck Schumer out of his bed, <laughs> <laughs> beat him with baseball bats. <laughs> what you want to do is you want to do what all the January Sixers said they were going to do to said they were going to do. That's what you're actually thinking about yeah. um, but you know we were just out there it was like i hope we i hope we woke him up you know what you want to do is uh what that strange man did to nancy pelosi's husband <laughs> suck his dick while <laughs> she was away for the weekend and then get caught so you have to fake it as if it's an assault incident <laughs> you know when your fucking bitch wife is out of town and you want to fucking right. do drugs and have gay sex with yeah. your boy. Just hold this hammer while I suck your dick right. in case anybody right. comes in. Right. And then That's the fucking the... media has to show up and ruin it, so we're... you need a cover story. We're not saying we're going to do that because we have lives and families and a yeah. Patreon. But any of you, if any of you guys want to go, I'll, t- I'll send you Schumer's uh, address. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're standing there and we're, all, we're like singing. Hmm. And I'm like... Do you remember the song? They were singing No Vaseline by Ice Cube. <laughs> <laughs> you let a Jew break up my crew. How's then we got to run in? Does he say that in the thing? Yeah, yeah. It, no Vaseline has like some anti-Semitic lyrics. If you go really deep into Ice Cube, there's a lot of <laughs> anti-Semitism. Yeah. If you go, if you like, just go on Spotify and just hit a play on an Ice Cube song hmm. and let it keep playing, you'll hear some. Uh, yeah, record company is trying to fuck me. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a big part of, uh, well, not a big part, but the, there's a fair bit of that in early 90s hip-hop. Yeah. Especially, like, the political Islam stuff a lot of the rappers were into. Okay. Nice. Because you know, they get into Farrakhan, and then Farrakhan's like, now, let me tell you something about a specific <laughs> type of white people. 
You're used to hating all white people, uh-huh. but let I'm me listening. tell you, there's a specific type <laughs> that you should really hate. You know, the ones who owned 80% of the slave boats or whatever the made-up statistic is. <laughs> is that what That he was says? a stat that, s- that <laughs> slave boats were Jewish? It, it's, you see this in neo-Nazi groups, but also Nation of Islam. They talk about uh-huh. the majority of slave owners in the U.S. being Jewish. Which is not true. No. I mean... That's My brain says tr- Jewish people weren't even there. Let's here get a, let's yeah. get a Twitter community note up? on that. Yeah. When did Jewish people show up in America? They, they, they were the 13 here, original like, colonies. There were like a yeah. few Jews hanging out. There were a few Jews, yes. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But anyway, so it's like there, there is something kind of like about activism where, where obviously Norman's like a, a very brilliant guy, but there was something about like, like that we're all out here in front of Chuck Schumer's house like singing. I'm like, Hey, this movement needs a little like juice, you know. Like it needs a little, it needs a little like fun and yeah, dude. You know what I mean? You sound like the Joker right now. I'm not you saying it's. Gonna, I'm not saying I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm just saying that I just feel like it'd be fun if there was like a, a a Donald Trump on the left. If we could just have rallies, if somebody could like run, like, do you think if someone ran for president on the left and mm. just hosted a rally? Mm-hmm. Where they just talk shit and just talked about like whose pussy stinks and you know would that be like a king's comedy, is that like do yeah the democratic yeah. party is that doable because you would have all the Warren people who would try to like sabotage it and like clutch right. their pearls over it yeah, yeah but maybe it would like maybe you if you could break through to to people who were cool maybe you could also get the independence. Yeah, you need like a trade union guy. Mm-hmm. That was who Lula in Brazil. He yeah. was a he was the head of a union. He yeah. became the president and all that, and he would like chain smoke and then give these rallies, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's what you kind of need is somebody who just like hasn't gone through the university system, or at least like didn't get indoctrinated there into this specific type of leftism that says fun is illegal mm-hmm. and you have to be serious all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a bunch of, like, weird, alienating beliefs. And if you don't, you're not welcome in the club. Like, that's, right. you know, with Finkelstein, like, he has views I disagree with, but, like, you know. What? What, what views do you disagree with? Well, I, don't, I mean, he's uh, he was anti-BDS for whatever reason, boycott okay. divestment sanctions uh-huh. from Israel, which is the idea that people should boycott Israel. I completely yeah. agree. You should try to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. You... The only things you have to do is don't buy a soda stream and don't buy the worst hummus that right. you can buy at the store. Right. You yeah, can yeah. buy better hummus right. and boycott Israel at the same time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he's against BDS. He's uh, in favor of the two-state solution when a lot of, like, left activists talk about we need a one state. We need the South Africa model. All Palestinians get voting rights. They'll have one Palestinian state, which, you know, Israel and Palestine merge together. And, um, you know, I, I think you can debate these things. I don't think there should be purity tests on the left about him. But then, like, he wrote, you know, he spent 40 years talking about Israel-Palestine. Then he writes this book about cancel culture, which is, like, mm-hmm. the first or basically the first non-Israel-Palestine book he's written in, like, 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's like a year ago or two years now he puts it out. Mm-hmm. And people got mad because he said, said some stuff about trans people. Sure. And he talks about wokeness. It was kind of funny. I was watching that stream with him. Aaron Mate is a good journalist. He was interviewing him, but um, he I just believe that men have a penis <laughs> and women have a vagina. 
But you could what? you could see he's like, I want to digress and talk about wokeness. <laughs> and you could yeah, see Aaron yeah. start to get nervous. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought if some pervert tries to follow my granddaughter into the women's bathroom, they'll they're gonna be tasting cold steel. <laughs> Anti woke Finkelstein. <laughs> But yeah, because it's like this leftist bookstore, and they're all there yeah, for Israel yeah, Palestine. Yeah. Oh, you want to do women swimming, you freak? <laughs> Try it, just I dare you. Yeah, he does say in 2020 he gave up on the Palestinian people, right? He says really? in 2020 I gave up. But then when you look into it, it's just in 2020 mm, he stopped writing books about why. it, and then he wrote a book about woke culture. And so, oh, yeah, it is. It's like I mean, he could tell us he gave up, but mm. he just took the time to write a book about another subject, and the subject is something that is, you know, not nearly as urgent as the people of Gaza. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was just interesting because I'm like, we're just we're all just standing here and we're singing. And I'm like, is this effective? Is it, you know, probably not really, but I think that's kind of the point of a lot of these things. Like, it doesn't now, really... before we talk about the ceasefire, we need to talk about these litter boxes. Students are, are, are they think they're cats, and they're taking <laughs> shits in litter boxes in the classroom. <laughs> I never believed in concealed carry until right now. <laughs> I'd love to just... <laughs> You think you're a cat, you're going to see my Glock. It relates to wokeness in the universities. <laughs> I guess I find a small irony in the wokeness in the universities. These pansexuals. Listen, just because you regret it doesn't mean it's rape. <laughs> He's on. Whoa. Imagine he goes on Joe Rogan. They just they just talk about gender for like three hours. There's <laughs> not, not a single word. Yeah, just no mention. No mention of Palestine. Yeah. They're winning medals. Oh, that's crazy. Because you know, I heard that. You know, actually, a transgender woman beat the shit out of my daughter this week. That's what I heard. Just, just, bull, just nonsense. Now everyone in this room can agree on a few things. <laughs> Israel has no right to be doing what they're doing in Gaza. And men should not be fighting in women's sports. Ben Shapiro is too soft on on gender. <laughs> You're a coward, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just like the idea of, you know, I mean, like, because on Israel-Palestine, you don't usually get as many hyper-wokes because there's yeah. a, as, um, you know, there's a, a large Muslim community or Arab-American community that's very invested in this issue. It's not like sure. a, it's not like other kind of niche left causes. But it's sort of funny to, you know. But most people recognize what the, 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 the need of the situation. Right? I think like so, the, yeah. How drastic it is or how yeah. dire it is. Yeah. yeah, but you do get like, I mean, there's always just people trying to cancel Finkelstein or whoever online sure. for... Whatever their views, yeah. which, you know, it's like I don't always agree with, but I think it's th – there's just uh, – we've inculcated a particular culture in the left where it's like if you believe one bad thing, you have to be deplatformed. You can't contribute in any way. And this is a guy who spent 40 years on this issue and, you know, being like one of the only people to actually read through these human rights reports about Israeli abuses. Like that's another thing he talked about is like giving up – on Palestine is he was like, yeah, I spent 40 years just reading UN 
human rights reports yeah. that are like a thousand pages long and go through very minute detail about oh they blew apart this child at this checkpoint or you know shot one through the neck or whatever right you know you spend <clears throat> 40 years and that's like all you read is israel palestine and it's yeah. like i finally got to read for pleasure again in this last year or two yeah you know, read about Rosa Luxemburg. And yeah, such. he's like, "What's going on in America?" And he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> 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 he was just frozen in amber from 1982. Yeah, right, right, only right. reading about Israel Palestine. Joe, I'd like to talk about another atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> People identifying as cats. I told you, my sister told me that, right? What? Yeah. That, oh, yeah. this, that fake lie thing that happened. Sure. She brought it up to me like it was something that happened at her daughter's school. Mm-hmm. And I had to be like, that's a fake thing. And she was like, no, the kids are talking about it. Yeah. And she like named a student who, who needed the litter You box. know what I like about the Gaza Ministry of Health? When they release the names of the dead bodies, there's only two genders, male or female. <laughs> None of this 37 genders bullshit. Um. You see people are making fun of the war ads because now all the ads for, like, the army are – it's just, like, men. What? Well, you mean the U.S. Army ads? Yeah, there? yeah. And that's, like, the right-wing talking point is they yeah. say – because they, they had, you know, more diverse ads, the U.S. military, but now it's, like, white men. So that's, mm-hmm. like the, – The implication the, is, uh-oh, we're going to war. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the right-wingers on Twitter or whatever, they say, oh, when the mili- U.S. military is has white men in the ads, then it's like, oh, we need – people to go be cannon fodder for israel right well too bad there aren't any white men anymore <laughs> no one in gen z identifies as a white man it's fact yeah. so yeah but uh yeah it's kind of it's kind of messing me up you know it's like it's like you want to always feel like you can protect your child yeah and i uh i was like sitting on the couch with my kid today and i was like benny i'll always protect you okay and he goes okay but i know that's like not true yeah, like if my if the government wanted to ki- wanted to blow them apart with a bomb, they they totally could. Benny, I'll always protect you unless somebody calls me anti-Semitic for doing it. Right, then you're on your own. Yeah, <clears throat> I got a career to worry about, be, buddy. Yeah, I don't want to be. <laughs> Can't uh, be called anti-Semitic. Right, I don't want to be deplatformed. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, and it doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. Right? No, it's crazy, and it's like you know, there's part of me that wants to. Not you know like do the podcast more on the kind of things we were doing mm-hmm. you, or you know like but it, it just feels so weird to go back yeah because it's like on some level okay this is thirty days of this and yeah. you know I, I, I'll call it a genocide I've, I've said that before thirty days of it doesn't have any sign of letting up they're killing hundred and six hundred and forty children every day mm-hmm. I mean Jesus Christ one hundred and thirty six children every day that's according to Al Jazeera. And, you know, like, they put the comparable numbers for, like, Iraq, Ukraine, Yemen, Afghanistan, Syria for the last decade. Maybe, like, in Syria, three children a day are killed. From, really? Uh, from 2011 to 2022. Three children every day were killed in Syria. For the last 30 days, 136 children are killed every day in Gaza. And, you know, for Afghanistan, it's two. For Yemen, it's 1.5. Ukraine, 0.7. Iraq, 0.6. Doesn't it kind of feel like they're... They're like fucking with us. Like they're yeah. they're like acting like a bad kid that wants to be reprimanded. No, and it's you know like they've killed more uh, United Nations AIDS wor- aid workers, AIDS workers, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, they could get it. 
They've killed more United Nations aid workers than at any comparable time in the entire history of the United Nations, which, of course, goes to post-World War II. Um, mm. And it's like, why are they doing that? And not only that, they, they, they blow up these UN aid workers and they kill their families, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so as of right now, it's 92 UN aid workers killed. I mean, it's insane. And, uh, yeah, 92, according to the UN Relief and Works Agency. 92. Never, this is more unprecedented. Tar- they're almost acting like Amy Schumer, where they're like just being so out of line that they they want somebody to be like, "Don't do that." Yeah, I think they're like craving, much like a much like a white woman, they're craving discipline. They're craving the strong hand of somebody. You know? Did you see that guy called you misogynistic, racist, comic, microscene? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What are you doing? Benny's hitting uh, some some sort of thing. Yeah. Hammering. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so it's like, okay, they they killed 92 UN aid workers and some of their families, too. And why are they doing that? They're trying to get all the remaining UN aid workers to flee Gaza, mm-hmm. to say it's too dangerous to be here. We can't. Because the UN aid workers are the only ones that's providing any food. There's UN flour there. So people in Gaza, they get, like, a little piece of bread yeah. from the stockpile of UN flour there. And just, like, this week... People in the streets have started, you know, begging for water. Uh-huh. Like, it's bad. Uh-huh. It's bad. They don't have clean water. They barely have any food. And um, the Israelis are like, well, if we we have total impunity, because the only way to he- to hold international law accountable would be for the Security Council to do something. That's, you know, Russia, China, U.S., France, England, uh, United Kingdom. Uh, but, of course, the U.S. has a veto. And so the U.S. vetoes any resolution that would discipline Israel, that would say, hey, you can't kill United Nations aid workers. Like, this is the most blatant violation of international law possible. These people are just here to try to save lives and Mm -hmm. feed people, Mm -hmm. keep them healthy. And the Israelis are deliberately targeting killing them and their families Mm -hmm. to try to get them to— get the fuck out so there's no witnesses and also so that palestinians will die faster they're doing the same thing to journalists they're doing the same thing to surgeons anybody who like has medical knowledge in in fucking gaza as a target they're bombing hospitals universities they're just trying to i mean it's 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 the most evil thing i've seen in my life yeah you know and i can kind of i was a kid i didn't really fully understand the iraq war when yeah. that was happening sure. like obviously that's very evil but there's just something so sinister about this and to just see well it's it's like so it's happening like so out in the open yeah now yeah, yeah I mean, and no one's doing anything i mean the fact that last week the the like the shining hope was like oh maybe hezbollah is gonna get involved <laughs> it's yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. crazy <laughs> right, 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 right. and then it turns out you know you're watching hezbollah like earlier this week they're like hey israel don't fuck with lebanon and it's like oh you're everyone's just gonna give up on gaza even these mm. countries in the Middle East, it yeah. seems like mm-hmm. it seems like they're wh- where Hezbollah. We were somehow rooting for them last week. Mm-hmm. It's now even they're just like, okay, just don't come to Lebanon. And it's like, well, then who's going to save them? Yeah. And it's nobody. Is that the yeah. case? Nobody. Yeah, I listened to the. There's an interview on the Real News Network with Chris Hedges. Well, I my think... mom told me that I should go to Gaza and help <laughs> if I want. <laughs> <laughs> my stupid slob mother. Do you like the? Do you see Giannis Papas? Well, actually. Uh, yeah. Let me say this, Chris Hedges. Sure, thing sure. Chris Hedges, uh, he was interviewed on the Real News Network. It just came out today or yesterday. But um, 
I've never heard that man so defeated in my life. Mm-hmm. It was like a 25-minute radio interview, and just the entire time he's like, yes, it seems the situation is quite dire. <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. like, and he's a very smart guy, but he, you know, he was a, a New York Times, um, uh, I forget if he was the uh, Middle East bureau chief or a foreign bureau chief, but he was, uh, he's been in a ton of war zones. Mm-hmm. Like he was in Sarajevo during the siege. He's been in Beirut. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He wrote a book called War is a Force that gives a mean- that gives us meaning. And it's mostly just about his experience as a war correspondent and like the PTSD and all the shit he deals with mm-hmm. of just being a reporter and who goes to these war zones. And he's like, Gaza is unimaginably worse than what I went through in Sarajevo. And I don't want to trivialize Sarajevo because mm-hmm. 30 years later, I still have nightmares about what happened to me in Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. And Gaza is unimaginably worse, just mm-hmm. the amount of bombs they're dropping on it. And he just sounded so defeated because he's like, he's a very pessimistic view where he doesn't think Hezbollah is going to get involved. And he's, you know, even if Hezbollah gets involved, like things could spiral. It could become World War Three very quickly. But if Hezbollah doesn't get involved, he's like, yeah, Israel will militarily probably cut Gaza in half. You know, they'll probably just annex the north half and then force all the remaining survivors into the south half. And... He basically believes Israel will probably get away with it, mm-hmm. which is, um, I don't know. It's a very grim forecast, and it could very well come true, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I can see why it, it bums you out yeah. to watch 30 days of the most evil shit I've seen in my life and know that there's a reasonably good chance that the villains here will get away with it. And know that nobody got raped and they were lying about it. Yeah, or the baby in the oven. Yeah. Yeah, right, the baby in the oven. Hmm. And then there was, that happened in 1948, right? They, they, Israeli uh, militia cornered this baker and his son, and they tried to make his son put his, make the father put his son in the oven. When he refused, they threw the son in the oven and Jeez. threw the father in. Yeah, they're monsters. It's always, uh, yeah. Well, I don't I know. I wish we had some more jokes for, for you guys. It's I don't know. It's hard to like. It's just weird. I I wish I had like a job or something to go to because I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what I I'm going to try to write comedy, but then I it's hard to think about anything else. You see that like so Israeli really sketch kinda, show? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. We should try to get a job yeah. for that. Yeah, we should get a, We should get a job writing for that. Um, but yeah, but I thought what we could do with this episode was maybe you know people always say oh you don't you know people like uh people like Giannis Papas you know. They they know the history of the mm. region, so I think that uh, I think that what we should do is we should we should look into some of the history because it's important. I think everyone in the liberal media who told comedians they were philosophers should be arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should be fucking swinging from a rope at the Hague <laughs> for for making Giannis Papas think he should be weighing in on world events and international politics. I just don't understand what he's doing. He's been like. He's been like flapping his gums about it for the past month, but there's he doesn't have any like he doesn't really have any moral arguments or or come to any conclusions. It's just like and also somebody tweeted us they were they were pissed about the show because we didn't mention the Ottoman Empire in any of oh, our episodes. Yeah. You know. Cuz uh, cuz 200 years ago it was actually part of the Ottoman Empire. That's right, yes. Palestine cuz uh some some people just have really big brains. <laughs> And they need to hear about the Ottoman Empire, um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, interesting the way he's uh, kind of going off. 
Maybe that's a Greek thing, right? You got to go far back. You think? For Greeks to matter, you got to go far back. So why not bring everything back? You know? Yeah. Giannis Papa said this tweet today. It's if you had a five star stay in a hotel in either Tehran or Tel Aviv, where would you go? Women only. Right. And he had to do the women only thing because right, it's like, right. no, I'm not going to Tel Aviv because my he had to do women only because they know he knows that they're not going to respond because they don't care about this yeah. stuff. It's this is Gaza's for the boys. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I'm not going to Tel Aviv because my tourist plans yeah. doesn't involve getting fucking gang banged by 20 guys in a fucking nightclub in Tel Aviv. But even that, that's just like a talking point. Like they go like, oh, where would you, would you rather go to Gaza or Tel Aviv? Would you rather go to the concentration camp or would you rather go to, you know. One of the most ancient cultures on earth. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like a priceless jewel of civilization. Right. Would, you rather get, would you rather get frozen yogurt? Would you rather go to Tehran or get frozen yogurt? Would you rather take poppers and have down low gay sex with Cory Booker, <laughs> who was in Tel Aviv yeah, when the yeah, terror yeah. attack started? Yeah, of course. And and had uh, the funniest fucking like Twitter video because uh-huh. he was you know, the Senate was in recess, uh-huh. and he just happened to be in Tel Aviv, and, you know, and made some video about I was here when the attack took place. No explanation for why, <laughs> and we know why because you know Cory Booker. <laughs> Which is like you feel bad for the guy because yeah, yeah. you finally you you work hard as a senator or whatever. Right, right. You finally get a vacation. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to Tel Aviv. Yeah. I got the poppers. Right. I checked into my Airbnb. <laughs> you know, maybe started sniffing a little poppers. Got really right. excited to get like fucking, right. you know, I'm gonna go get, on I'm by gonna go twenty get, guys. I'm gonna get ice cream with fruity pebbles on it. Did you see that tweet? He tweeted a couple days ago. And then all goes, of a sudden, the fucking Hamas attack comes through. Yeah. And you're like, vacation over. Yeah. I think Tarantino was there, too, right? Was he? Well, Tarantino's wife is from Israel. She's like a famous pop star or some shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Tarantino. That up, but she's like famous in Israel. Oh, okay. And so, like, half, he splits his time. Does he? Between there and Israel. Oh, really? And I don't think he's Jewish. I don't think Tarantino's Jewish. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, like, lives in Israel half the time. Okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's just a shame because if you go anywhere where there's a beach and you have a good time, you're going to feel a connection to that place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Damn. What, like Tel Aviv? Or? Yeah, like Tel Aviv. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it used to be the city of Jaffa. And Jaffa is an ancient city, but now uh-huh. it's part of Tel Aviv. Okay. They just kind of, uh, you know, annexed it or whatever. Right. So it's like, of course, there is lots of culture in Israel, but it's a really awful state that I would never want to give any money to. Yeah. Did you see Cory Booker tweeted? He was like, I miss Obama and I miss her husband, too. <laughs> you're, you're such a you're such a mo. <laughs> you saw that video of that him getting nice. heckled. Right? Yeah, that was yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Funny. Yeah. Everybody's getting heckled, which is good. Yeah, it's great. I don't know. I mean, you know, because I actually like my little bit of doing something is I went down. I took a bus down to D.C. and I was uh-huh. in D.C. for Saturday. They had a protest over 250,000 people. It's awesome. like the biggest anti-war protest we've had since Iraq, mm. which is like good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. public, I don't think most people in this country are malicious. I think they're just indifferent to foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And it's good that you can get that many people out for something that like doesn't seem to be directly in u.s interests or the interests of the people who live in this country they're just they recognize it as a moral wrong they recognize that our tax dollars are paying for this so it's good that you get all these people out but at the same time it's like 
just brings you back to that frustration of the Iraq War, where there were the largest demonstrations in human history against the Iraq War, mm-hmm. added up to exactly nothing. They just ignore you and move on. Yeah. And, um, you know, if uh, if there's more civil disobedience, I think that would help. Some people have been going to uh, weapons manufacturers or, like, trying to block the ports. Well, um, you're saying any grocery store that doesn't speak out is complicit in this genocide, and therefore you should steal from them. Is that exactly what, you're saying? what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, Gen- Genocide Joe is sticking, though, I think. You think? I, yeah. Oh, that's a nickname. Yeah, I think he is going to lose the election because some people aren't going to be able to vote for Genocide Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's happening. It is great if this is what brings Trump back. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. But I his take is also very cruel. It's pretty cruel. Yeah. Yeah. Because that first week, remember? Sorry, we're so bummed out. Everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm remember that first that... week? He was like, <laughs> "What was he saying?" He was calling people like a, some group smart, and you're like, oh, yeah, "Okay, he's... so we don't know what he what his take Hamas is." Hamas was so smart, yeah. folks. We didn't know what <laughs> his take was. This then, so <laughs> meticulously, <laughs> yeah. it was great because he he's hates Benjamin Netanyahu right, too. Right, right, right. But of course, those fucking Israel lobby freaks. Like, and that's the incredible thing, is the power of the Israel lobby. They are the only people who can make Donald Trump back down and apologize. Mm-hmm. He won't do it for anybody hmm. except for the Israel freaks. Did he do that? Well, he never apologized, but he was, he was privately telling his aides, this is uh-huh. an article in Rolling Stone, that uh, he was debating, publicly calling for Benjamin Netanyahu to resign. Mm-hmm. And he, like, talked, you know, he kind of, he's called Netanyahu stupid and all sorts of things in these speeches. And this entirely goes back to when he was saying Biden stole the election from him. He would have, you know, Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, on the phone and try to goad him into being like, so this election was stolen, right? And he would just be like, we are looking forward to a positive relationship. You know, he would just Mm -hmm. he would ignore it. Mm -hmm. And so Trump just got like so pissed and has a permanent vendetta against Netanyahu, Uh which in this case would be great. Yeah. But essentially he like. The Israel lobby people talked to him and said, hey, you know, check out your uh, fourth quarter fundraising numbers. And he so he sends out on his little true social some things about stand with hashtag stand with Netanyahu, stand with Israel. So he just kind of backed down from any criticism of Netanyahu Mm. because the Israel lobby is like, I mean, yeah, the most powerful foreign lobby in the United States. Certainly they're so powerful as a foreign lobby. They don't even have to register. There's a there's a law. Uh, uh, FARA, for, I think it's Foreign Agent Registration Act, dates back to the uh, uh, before World War II. There were lots of you know Nazis in the U.S. advocating on behalf of the Nazi government. So the U.S. passed a law that says if you are a re- an agent of a foreign government, you have to register as a foreign agent. Like, hey, I'm taking money from Turkey or whatever. I'm lobbying for Turkey, and it's fine as long as you register. And so, like, especially since Trump, a fair number of people have been getting, like, busted, arrested for, you know, taking money from a foreign government to lobby for them without ever registering as a foreign agent or disclosing that fact. And it just so happens uh, APAC, APAC, the most powerful pro-Israel lobby group in the United States, they've never had to register as a foreign lobbying organization, even though just so happens both of the Kennedys wanted them to. Hmm. Uh, look what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh They've never had to register as a foreign lobbying organization. The ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, which is supposedly concerned with anti-Semitism, they are an Israel lobbying group. You know, they say fr- they've actually just amended their little online hate speech chart to say that from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. 
is a call to genocide against Jews. Mm-hmm. It's not. This is right. completely ridiculous. But right. the ADL is an Israel lobbying group. So the fact that ADL and APAC don't have to register as foreign lobbying organizations just shows that they are the most powerful foreign lobbying organizations in the United States. And, you know, nothing better illustrates their power than the fact that they're the only force on earth that can make Donald Trump apologize. Yeah. Yeah, it feels it feels bad, but also it's like doesn't it kind of doesn't it feel like they're unraveling a little bit? Like I saw a uh, a thing today. They uh, f- this Mint Press News said that uh, Israel admits that they that most of the casualties on October seventh were military. Well, they posted all the names, right? Yeah. yeah, but then people are arguing back and forth about that as to like how many of those names are military, how many aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. My instinct is a majority or near majority are military, but I, I still I haven't seen a non biased source kind of break down all fourteen hundred casualties. Right, okay. Um yeah. But I mean it's like, yeah, they've lost the next generation, Israel has. Yeah. But they can hold on, you know, the boomers will be here for at least another decade. So they can hold on. Mm-hmm. But if there's wide-scale civil disobedience, non-cooperation, that's the kind of thing that can move the chains in the U.S. That's the kind of thing that like slowly unwound the Vietnam War. Uh. But it's asking a lot of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I spent my Saturday on a bus to D.C. Yeah. It's annoying to take a, a day out, and then you remember all the dead kids, and you're like, why am I bitching? Right. But, you know, at the same time, it... Uh, it's hard to keep people motivated. Well, eventually, it's like you got to get back to work. Yeah, you got to get back to paying for your little your little box and your, your little and your groceries. Not you groceries, do like a but worker strike, which isn't going to happen. But yeah, right. To just be like our yeah, our money isn't going to this. Yeah, right. You just you just uh, you make your podcast worse. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. dude. In solidarity with the people of Gaza, right. we're actually we're taking the Gaza diet. We're not eating before we do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, twenty four hours. So one I'm not watching any crowd work clips because they don't get to. Yeah. There was a there's a German general when the uh, Germans were encircled at Stalingrad uh-huh. by the Russians. Uh, they were, of course, you know on starvation rations. So there was a German general, like one of these like Prussian field marshals who insist, you know, who would go to meetings with Hitler and all that. He insisted on eating the same diet as the soldiers who were starving in Stalingrad. And within like a week or two weeks, he just started losing so much weight. They ordered him to like go back to a normal diet. Hmm. But, um, yeah, it's the kind of thing that happens. Why did he start eating the diet of the... Oh, because he's, like, one of those, like, old Prussian soldiers. Like, uh-huh. he was a general, but, like, one of those soldiers who has this idea, and, you know, you have to respect it on some level, that a leader shouldn't ask his troops to do anything he is not right, willing right. to do. Right. So he was like, if the soldiers at Stalingrad are fighting on this diet, then I can, you know, yeah. do the same. Yeah. Um, But, you know, then he lost a bunch of weight. And, you know, it, it's just... um. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a hunger strike in solidarity with Gaza. Nice. Dude, Maybe I'll just so sick. Dude, it just it's like your guts. I get to be anorexic yeah. and everybody praises me for it. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the <laughs> instead of just me normally being anorexic and I'm people making fun of me and Gaza. Well, that's how you get the white women on board. <laughs> calling me a school shooter. Yeah. 
Um, do you know anything about the Oslo diary, the Oslo Accords? Accords, a little yeah. bit. There's a I know a little bit. Too. Frontline on PBS. They just put up, a, or it's an old one, but they put up like a three-hour documentary about this, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good, but like Oslo goes from. 1993 up until it kind of ends in 2000 with what's called the Camp David Accords. But it's uh, uh, it starts with Yitzhak Rabin, the Israeli Prime Minister, and Ariel Sharon on the Palestinian side. And uh, the idea was that Palestine would, of course, eventually get their own state in the Gaza and the West Bank, which is, again, less than what they were originally given just under half the country by 1947 when the U.N. partitioned it. But it's like, okay, we beat them down enough. We'll give them like a rump state. And the Palestinians, or at least Yasser Arafat, uh, they had fought long enough that they wanted peace. And I think peace probably could have happened there, but the Israeli Zionist project is so psychotic. Yeah. Um, So, you know, like Yitzhak Rabin imposed like a really tough deal on the Palestinians after stealing all their land. You know, you said we get you get to keep less than 20 percent of the country that we stole from you. Mm -hmm. And then they the Israelis shot him because they thought he was being too generous. He was being too nice. He was assassinated. Exactly. He was assassinated. And, you know, that's what Benjamin Netanyahu ran against Yitzhak Rabin. And he would like go to these rallies where Netanyahu supporters would like burn effigies of of Rabin dressed up like a Nazi. Yeah. Like, this is how psychotic Israeli politics are. Yeah. They, they thought this guy was a Nazi yeah. for essentially, you know, stealing somebody's country and saying, hey, you can have 20% of it. Right. And with all sorts of conditions, like, Palestinians wouldn't have been able to have their own army. Like, the Israelis would still totally se- control security. And they also wanted to, like, bisect the West Bank. It's not like the Palestinians would have just got the whole West Bank. Israel would have, like, bisected it in at least three different um, sections and, you know, kind of maintained all this control over resources, had all the military control. It was a deal that the Palestinians could not have agreed to. But yeah. um, I do know this from reading the book The Israel Lobby— Negotiations were ongoing up until the end of um, Bill Clinton's presidency, January 2001. So 1993 is the Oslo Accords, and then there's implementations. And basically from the time Itzhak Rabin is assassinated and Netanyahu gets uh, elected in Israel, um, the Israelis were building illegal settlements, which was the big thing that they were supposed to immediately stop doing under the Oslo Accords Mm -hmm. in 1993. So they just like kept building settlements while pretending that they were cooperate or that they were following their obligations under the Oslo Accords. They were breaking them. They were building illegal settlements. But um, Ehud Barak uh, gets elected in Israel and he tries to kind of restart the peace process. And he's to date the only Israeli pol- uh, prime minister to ever offer the Palestinians a state as opposed to like an autonomous region or what a semi-autonomous region or what he said. You can have an actual state. You can have a nation, which, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu and and that right of Israeli politics, their whole political project is we will never accept a Palestinian nation. Mm -hmm. So Ehud Barak, like, you know, to his credit, and he's an Epstein pedophile, of course, but to his credit, he is the only Israeli prime minister who's ever offered an actual nation state to the Palestinians. However, it was full of all sorts of conditions that I mentioned. You know, you cannot have an army. You not have any military we're going to bisect the west bank in a bunch of different areas you're basically still going to be under our control 
it was it was full of a bunch of kind of poison pills that Yasser Arafat couldn't accept, and he said as much to Bill Clinton, something to the effect of like, if I sign this deal, you'll be attending my funeral because my own people will kill me. But uh, they do Ehud Barak and Arafat do restart talks. They do keep talking, and this goes up until January two thousand one. So the Clinton presidency ends, you know, on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2001, so, you know, late January. So all the way up until the end of Bill Clinton's presidency, the Israelis and the Palestinians are still talking. And they're proceeding on what are called the Clinton parameters, which is they had these negotiations at Camp David. And then, Bill, you know, the, the Palestinians rejected the Israelis' offer. But then Bill Clinton comes in and he comes up with the Clinton parameters, which are like, you know— uh, a bunch of different uh, parameters for the continuation of discussions, and both parties are continuing on the Clinton parameters in January 2001 when Ehud Barak walks away from negotiations because he's running against Ariel Sharon and the Israeli public is sick of you know giving concessions, giving concessions right. to the Palestinians. So it, it's only useful in the sense that People lie about this all the time and say Palestinians had the opportunity for a state and they walked away. But no, the factual record says January 2001, both parties were continuing on the basis of the Clinton parameters, and Ehud Barak was the one who ended negotiations. And then in 2004, the Israelis assassinated Arafat, which sometimes called a conspiracy theory, but no, he was poisoned with polonium. Uh-huh. Yeah, radioactive polonium. The Israelis have been trying to assassinate him for a really long time. Right. And uh, he was poisoned by radioactive polonium, and he died. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of fucked up where it's like, okay, you say Hamas has no interest in negotiation, no interest in peace. They want the destruction of Israel. Right. But, you know, you gave a giant middle finger to the last guy who would try to negotiate with you, which is like you gave him a bunch of poison pills, you walked away from talks, and then you fucking killed the guy, and mm-hmm. you still lie about it to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, again, listener, if you don't believe me, look this up. Yasser Arafat was poisoned with radioactive polonium by the Israelis. It was an assassination. It was kind of funny when they had that thing with Clinton at the at the White House when they signed the treaty. Handshake? Yeah, Rabin, like, barely shakes his hand. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't... like. Arafat's standing there, like, you know, yeah, smiling, and he just kind of, like, shakes his hand really quick, and that's it. Well, Rabin, could, yeah, he hated Palestinians, too, but he recognized yeah. that, that you know, become this shit destroys, you can't be a democracy and do this shit. And that's yeah. exactly what we're seeing in Israel now. They just passed a law that says, if you're, like, even viewing subversive media, you get a year in prison. Mm-hmm. So now cops in Israel are just checking people's phones. Mm-hmm. And if you're in, like, a telegram group that's sympathetic to the Palestinians, mm-hmm. hey, a year in prison, mm-hmm. they're going to start re- revoking people's citizenships. I mean, this is, like, really Third Reich stuff that they're doing. It's yeah. completely incompatible with democracy. Yeah. And this is just what happens when you're... You know, empires abroad, that violence always comes home. We've mm-hmm. certainly seen it in the United States, mm-hmm. though we're seeing it to a much more extreme extent in Israel right now, where even the pretenses of, you know, it's, yeah, they're racist, but they're still a democracy. Even the democracy part is going away mm-hmm. in this wartime emergency. Mm-hmm. And Yitzhak Rabin, like, he hated the Palestinians, but he recognized as long as Israel is an occupying power, it was going to destroy the state, its democracy, and its future. Yeah. And um yeah, I think in the long run Israel will destroy itself, but 
I don't know. I don't know when we will see that justice if it will come in our lifetimes. You think maybe it'll be shorter than we think? It could be. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's tough though because it's like if Hezbollah doesn't get involved, who stops them now? Yeah, the United States. I mean, it just sucks because these Biden people are like, we're going down with the ship. There's just. Too much Israeli money, too many fucking... It's just like, they would probably get away with it if they could just, like, chill a little bit. Right. But but I, it just doesn't make sense that they get to do whatever they want. Like, they're, they're acting like uh, my super sweet 16. Remember that show on MTV? <laughs> they're just acting like... like Insane and nobody remember that show when they, when they would follow like yeah, a, like, like a really I bought rich you girl. Those weapons, give yeah. me back the yeah. weapons if you're gonna. Daddy, use shut the way. fuck up! Yeah, and it's like it's my yeah. weapon, and you crash the weapons. Yeah, it's like, the and then it's like really who expensive. is who is this girl's cuck father that yeah. won't you know? Yeah, we're giving tell Israel her to chill. Bombs with bows on. Who right? Calling, I wanted a red bomb. Yes, Israel. Yeah. Something like that, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, who the hell are we? We're supposed to be this like superpower. We can't even be like, "Hey, chill with the, chill with the white phosphorus." That's and like, then I saw a report today. They said they said they got sixty Hamas fighters. Yes, I Israel. Mean, I don't know how it's insane because again, the Gaza figures are like ten thousand dead. Yeah. God, ten thousand or more dead, and the Israeli figures are twenty thousand dead. The Israel mm-hmm. and you know they all counted as quote terrorists eliminated. Well, they mm-hmm. think everybody in Gaza is a fucking terrorist. Sure, but yeah, it's like like you were saying, Mike. They said. That they've killed sixty Hamas fighters mm-hmm. out of ten thousand dead. It's like they're killing ninety nine point nine percent civilians. Yeah. This is a monstrous crime. This yeah. is unimaginable. Yeah, and it's like you know what? Honestly, I did kind of delude myself a little bit because you think we're more evolved. Yeah, we're a, a nicer species. Like that doesn't it's, happen anymore. Exactly. We don't have this kind of like World War Two barbarity. Yeah. In the twenty first century, the yeah. international community will surely step in and stop it. And it's like. No, actually, in the 21st century, you can do a genocide, but you just have a whole lot of obfuscation and confusion where the Biden administration is embracing the strategy of, like, we're just going to lie to people. Mm. We're going to say we have made it clear to the Israelis that they need to follow international law. Mm. And then what they don't say is, well, they're not doing that and we're doing nothing about it. Mm. Uh, Or like Biden defenders say, there's nothing he can do. Mm Uh, but he, at the same time, he's secretly sending weapons. Yeah, we sent him uh, three hundred million worth yeah. of weapons. We just sent you know another order for three hundred million, and it's like the U.S. taxpayers pay for all this. Yeah. It's not like we're even selling Israel weapons. It's we're giving them weapons with the fucking money right. that you you fucking pay on sales tax and income tax. And it's um, and the fact is, the U.S. law, the Leahy law, named for Pat- uh, P- Senator Patrick Leahy from Vermont, he got this law passed which says. The United States cannot provide weapons, training, material, whatever, to any force that is uh, that it's, has reasonable information committed a gross violation of human rights. Cannot. It's the law. And all that has to happen is the Secretary of Defense has to find that this force, whatever it may be, committed a gross violation of human rights. Well, I think blowing apart 136 children every day counts. Yeah. No, no effort— to distinguish between targets and non-combatants, which is a war crime. Mm. It's they are breaking the law to keep sending Israel weapons. So not only do they have the power 
to stop sending Israel weapons. They are breaking the law in order to keep sending Israel weapons because this is this is where all the money is. This is where the whole U.S. consensus is. It's just completely up in this fucking psychotic genocidal project of, you know, ethnically cleansing Palestinians. Yeah. We will see you guys over on the Patreon. That is the episode for today. I got it. Thing I got to do, but uh, thanks for listening. Um, see you over on Patreon. So bye.